Welcome to Raising Standards with Rhiannon Evans and Matt Smith, a true Roman history podcast for true Romans. Hail Caesar. Welcome to Raising Standards, an occasional rewatch podcast in which we take a fond look at HBO's Rome. I'm Rhiannon Evans. And I'm Matt Smith. This is a special interview episode in which we speak to Alice Henley, the actress who played Livia in HBO's Rome. Hello, Rhiannon. Hi, Matt. Uh, Nice little special interview today uh, in which we're talking to Alice, who was uh, a lovely person to chat to. Indeed, Livia herself. She was much nicer than Livia. (laughs) So it might be good to uh, start with a bit of context on Livia, if we can. I know that we've talked about her in the show and this is one representation that we've had of the character but we've also seen her more famously in I Claudius. So what did you think about the character of Livia in HBO's Rome and give us a bit of context for I Claudius? Yeah so Livia is going to be she's going to marry Octavian and she is his wife throughout his life. She survives him. And what we're seeing here is kind of the young Livia as opposed to I Claudius, where we see uh, I Claudius goes back a bit in history as well, but it starts, oh, let's think, well, before Claudius is born. So, but Livia is middle-aged even by that point. Regardless, well-established Livia at this point. Very much so. And she already has grown up sons. So what we're seeing is kind of the other end of that. So it's like the prequel Livia, Mm. where her first meeting with Octavian and their marriage, and that's pretty much as far as we get, just a little bit beyond there. So we're definitely seeing the young Livia. And I guess certainly for people who've watched I, Claudius, they are bound to have in mind that this is the Livia who's going to become the scheming, treacherous, manipulative, very, very clever Livia played by Sean Phillips and indeed the Livia of the novels. So, and I don't think that this is the only thing that the series and indeed Alice Henley, the actor, is playing into at all. But uh, it's very hard not to have that in mind as a viewer, certainly someone who's watched I, Claudius, which you probably have if you're my age or older. Or and, a Rome junkie like or, me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and, and I think that it, it works if you have or if you haven't that got that in mind, that you've got kind of the beginnings of a very clever, self-serving, but kind of doing what she needs to to survive character Mm. going on here. It's kind of a shame that we won't get to see too much of her, but you can see that they're kind of laying the foundation for Olivia who's going to manipulate her way through this family. And given that they've created an Artia who is already that figure, she's kind of a very powerful matriarch figure who will get rid of her enemies where necessary. We've set it up for them to potentially be in conflict. Mm-hmm. And could you see a lot of connecting tissue between this Livia and historical Livia? Do you see this as a, a credible kind of portrayal? It is, and that's partly because we don't know too much about the young Livia at all yeah. because our historical sources come in when she is the very much established wife of Augustus. And so... Unfortunately, we've lost the histories that are of that time that tell us a lot about the Augustan period. So, for example, Livy, not Livia, Mm. the historian Titus Livius (laughs) did write about this period up until about halfway through Augustus's reign, but we've lost that part. I think it would have to have been very respectful. And the main sources we've got that deal with Livia come from much, much later, namely Suetonius and Tacitus, Mm. and Tacitus in particular is very hostile. So... 
we're always working towards that tacity inversion because it's the one that gives us the most information. It's also because it's Tacitus. He writes characters brilliantly and he writes Livia as monstrous. I mean, he says that she was, you know, a kind of murderous stepmother to the nation is yeah. practically what he says about her. So I guess we've got early stages of that occurring. So, yes, it makes sense within the context of the historical sources we have. Maybe a bit less so in terms of what we can glean from, say, material culture, where she's clearly, oh, I don't know, it could still work. She's highly honoured as empress, as the wife of Augustus. And, for example, Matroni, wives, will pay honour to her. And we think she probably started fashions for certain kinds of clothing based on the public statues that she has put up. And then this style of dress seems to be followed by other Roman women, that kind of thing. Mm. You know, she's heavily involved in cult practice, in paying for or at least having her name attached to certain buildings. In She's supposed to have paid the dowries of impoverished women, her families who couldn't afford them. So being very involved in Roman women's lives. I don't think we see very much of that in this Livia, but it's probably not what they're going for because the Tacitus version is so much more dramatic and compelling. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, you know, give it time or if they gave it time, yeah, anything could have happened there. <laughs> we'll start this interview then. And the first question that I ask Alice if she could take us back to the start of it all, because it, it's always good to know the origin story and what she was doing when she got the role of Livia. Well, it was my first TV job and it was actually my second paid job. So I'd finished university the year before. And I got a job with a small theatre company just touring Italy for about six months doing Romeo and Juliet. And I came back and I just signed to an agency and it was a real small agency. It was an agency where actors act as agents as well. So one day a week I'd be an agent for all the others and and HBO being HBO had a very specific idea of who they wanted this character to be. So they put the casting out everywhere. So it meant actors like me who had zero experience and were with a tiny agency had the opportunity to meet them and you know luckily I was kind of what they were looking for and I remember when I had the audition I came out and um because it was so big it was HBO it was massive and you know all my family was saying how'd it go and I spoke to my brother and I said I've got it and he was like what what do you mean what they told you there and then I was like no no no, no they haven't told me but I know I've got it and I was like no I just felt it in the room and it was the second audition and all the producers were there and I felt it and then a week went by <laughs> And then two weeks went by and gradually my confidence started to go. And then, um, yeah, I got the the call, the sort of life-changing call, really. And then, yeah, I was on the plane and off to Rome. So, Alice, what did you know about the role when you auditioned for it? Um, did you know much about the character Livia or the show? I didn't know much about Livia. And that was the great thing about the show. When you go there, you, you go out for dinner with the historian on um, set who tells you everything about your character and then um, says what questions you have and you're I mean he's answered things that I hadn't even thought about asking so anything and everything so that's pretty wonderful actually. So were you aware of I Claudius the TV show and the way that Livia had been portrayed in that show? No wasn't aware of any of that and I'm quite glad actually because it feels like they were quite massive shoes to fill. So I didn't want to know about that, actually. I wanted Livia to be my Livia. And I think it was a very different Livia to the I, Claudius. So I'm quite glad I didn't. 
So how about Rome? Were you aware of that show and what you were getting yourself into? I knew about the show. I'd been a fan. I'd watched series one. So I knew what I was letting myself in for as in a sense of what was going to be, you know, required of me, as was all the case with especially the actresses. It was a little bit intimidating and a bit frightening, but it was HBO, you know, so it was like, I didn't pause for too long, let's put it that way. It wasn't a a big decision that I had to make. It was quite an easy one. But even so, I imagine that it would have been a a bit confronting as your first role to have this one. It was a lot. It was a lot. Um, My scene, um, it was a whole day shoot. It was, I think it was about eight hours and I was only 20, I was 24 yeah, it was a lot, but I had a personal assistant and I had, you know, the makeup guys were great. The costume department were great. So it was a very supportive environment. You certainly felt safe. I say it was a closed set. A closed set still means <laughs> several people. But I mean, yeah, it was a lot, especially at that age. It's certainly a day I remember very well. But, you know, after it was finished, I was taken by some of the producers, you know, a few weeks later and they showed me the scene. So I had, you know, I saw it all editing in car and they, you know, that was a great scene and we're really proud of how it's come across and everything. So it was handled as well as it could be handled, but I think it's always challenging a scene like that. And especially with a younger actress, I'd certainly think I would have probably coped better now, I think, than I probably did then. But I think HBO knew what they were doing and lots of shows and especially now, it's, you know, you Game of Thrones now, and it's quite common practice, really. And I never felt like any of the scenes were unjustified. They were always there for a reason. It always made sense. It was never, I felt, you know, unnecessary or just for the sake of being that. But it was a learning experience, you know, for the first TV job. Yeah, so I imagine. Uh, and, and did you know the extent of the character when you when you went into the show? The episodes Livia were in were, were right at the end of the series. Yeah. But if it went on for longer, you could have had a role for years. When I started filming it, I certainly felt that the end of the series was very much the beginning for her. So it would have been lovely for it to go somewhere else. I for sure would have loved to have done another series of Rome. Um, I don't think when I signed up for series two, I realised that would be it. I mean, I think we knew before the end of series two that that was going to be it, if that makes sense, um, which is a shame. I think, you know, obviously it could have been a lot of fun because she was just sort of becoming the powerhouse that she famously was. I know that, you know, she was quite well known for poisoning people that got in her way. So I guess the kind of like the Black Widow in a sense that she could be the power behind the throne. Not, I suppose she could get away with a lot of things because she did it quite cleverly, I guess, and sneakily. And certainly, I think, is responsible for a certain amount of how far he got was a lot to do with what she did to get him where he was. It would have been amazing. Um, I don't remember um, it being a definite that series two was the final one. So perhaps I did have like dreams and hopes of like, oh, my God, this is the beginning of everything. And uh, it was it was to a certain extent, but not as um, big as it could have been. So do you have any ideas about what would have happened to Livia if the series had continued? Yeah. Do you think, for example, that uh, you would have been friends or enemies with Artia, Augustus's mother? I think it was pretty clear I'd be an enemy with Nia. I mean, I think she'd be a, a passive-aggressive friend. I think if everyone else was watching, it's one of those ones where you go, oh, but she's so nice to you. She adores you, Artia. 
But obviously, Atty would know that, you know, Livia would quite happily destroy her the chance she got. Well, I loved their dynamic. I mean, Polly Walker was just, she's just phenomenal. And that scene we have where she sort of says, you know, I see you. <laughs> Far greater women than you have. What a line. And she totally kicks my ass. And then I'm like, damn it, I don't get to get revenge because then the series finishes. But I think that would have been fun. But I think, yeah, God, there would not been no love loss there between those two. So what do you think of Livia's introduction where she's she's essentially pointed out to young Caesar at a party as if she's a piece of meat. So there's Livia. She's married to another man. She was pregnant at the time. I don't think you were in the show. No, thanks for that. I wasn't. No, you look great. <laughs> no, I know I know what you meant. I was only joking. What did you think about all of that? And that's how Livia was chosen as a wife. I thought the only way it worked, the only way I liked it was because of the way she dealt with it. I thought it came across that she was like, I know exactly why I've been chosen. But um, I think maybe she did think you've underestimated me. Like that wasn't an issue for her. She was like, you see me like that. That's fine. That's fine. But you just wait, you know, I'm going to bring more to the table than just flesh, which she did. Ah, very true. Figs, for instance. And uh, one of the big scenes you had was when young Caesar took you to a family dinner and you were with a cast that knew each other's dynamics really well at that point. But you, Livia, coped with it really well and took it all in your stride. Whereas if that was my introduction to the family, I think I would have been running for the hills. Yeah, but she was already quite established. I mean, she was quite high up anyway, wasn't she? Like, she was a prize to him. So she was almost certainly not level. This was certainly a step up. That's why she was, you know, had no qualms about getting rid of the husband. It was definitely a step up, but she was already quite established in society. And also, I think it's the young naivety of the self-arrogance that the young perhaps have sometimes. I don't think she was completely perhaps aware of, you know, certainly with Atia's character, the nightmare of the family she was stepping into. So I think youth, arrogance, and also a bit of self-entitlement perhaps sort of came into play there. But perhaps Rhiannon's about to tell me I'm completely wrong and that's not the case at all. I don't know. (laughs) Well, Livia is from a very high-up family. And technically, I guess you could say that she's higher up than Octavian, although he's been adopted by Julius Caesar now, but he... He doesn't come from a patrician family, whereas Livia very much does. Yeah. So I think you're right that she is an advantageous match, but equally he's a good match for her. Yeah. And you can tell that this is a successful marriage because Augustus and Livia, even though they don't have any children together, they remain married. It's very easy to get divorced for that reason in ancient Rome. Um, And it's quite unusual for an elite marriage to stay together, but it seems to have stayed together out of affection and because Augustus valued her judgment. Mm. I think that is touched and explored and suggested in Rome when um, they're lying in bed together and You can see then the beginning of it, the beginning of him not just looking at her as a wife, as a plaything or whatever, but more as a partner and a confidant and someone that's actually more savvy and also someone he can trust because he certainly can't trust his mother or his sister or Mark Antony or anyone else. But she was someone that's like, look, I have got your back. There is no one else here. Predominantly, she's probably saying that to further herself, but the whole thing of we work better as a team. So you know what? You can trust me. You can say all these things and I will play the chess game and, you know, we'll get there together. Yeah, there was probably mutual respect there. So in the 15 years or so since you were on the show, how do you look back on it in retrospect? 
is it something that helped you in your career and, and do you look back on it fondly? Oh God, it's, it's definitely something I look back fondly. Um, I wish I remembered it more. I wish I'd taken it in more. I think because it was my first TV job, I think because I was so young, so much of it was just sort of too much to take in. I wish I'd perhaps had a bit more experience before I'd got it, but then getting it opened up so many doors. And also I think the way HBO are, certainly on a lot of shows um, that Nina Gold casts, it's lots of actors that you haven't seen before. And that is the beauty of the show because you just see the character, at least I hope if the actors do a good enough job, you just see Livia as opposed to, oh, that's the actress that also played this, played this, played this. So it's a weird one in some ways. I wish it had been different and I'd been in this age where I'd had that experience. But then, you know, I, in other ways, I wouldn't have changed any of it. Gosh, it just feels like so much has happened since then. It was a weird one to get as a first job because it does set you up to think naively. You think this is it now. Like I've made it. Like, wow, that was easy. You know, I just finished uni, got a job, bam, in HBO. So it's a humbling experience two or three years later when I'm working in a bar and, you know, trying to go for one-off episodes of this and all that. But I think it was good standing, you know. It grounded me for the reality of this crazy profession where one minute you can be working in HBO as a series regular and the next minute you know you're cleaning toilets in your local pub and chucking Barry out at 11 o'clock and having to close up and stuff you know but then it makes you grateful for every job you do get because you don't know when the next one will be and so all fond memories HBO are amazing it was just a crazy crazy experience I've not really I haven't had one like that since, but I probably wouldn't because I was so new to it all. Everything was a new experience with Rome. You've been listening to Raising Standards, an occasional rewatch podcast in which we take a fun look at HBO's Rome with Rihanna Nevins and Matt Smith. If you like this podcast, you can subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any convenient podcatching platform. Please leave a review. They are always very appreciated. You can like Raising Standards on the Emperors of Rome Facebook page, or you can follow us on Twitter. Rhiannon is at Dr. Rhiannon Evans. I am at Nightlight Guy, and the podcast is at Rome Podcast. That's it today for Raising Standards. So until the next episode, I'm Matt Smith. You've been fantastic, and thanks for listening.